0: Hello, hello. It's Brick DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back beauties for another episode. Now today I actually wanted to go back into the archives, back to January 2020, where I talked to Dr. Shanid Janiton about her new line, EpiLogic, which has just been re-released. I actually went to the Relaunch at TA New York, which is a super cute black owned shop down in meatpacking. And I have never seen skincare with packaging this gorgeous, but I also love the product. So it's a luxury experience on the outside and a luxury experience on the inside. And I also have to say, I love hearing from doctors, people who have dedicated their entire life to studying skin and the face, talk about skincare and the formulation and the ingredients. I think that is just so needed in this world where people are just kind of slapping their name on a product these days now we also get into deep discussion about fillers and botox and things like microneedling and all of the upgrades to your face that go beyond skincare and some of the things to watch out for as you're thinking about it like my whole thing is always like i don't want to start doing all of this stuff to my face and then i start looking weird or i have to just pay to maintain it all the time she breaks all of that down so beautifully. And it's a really great conversation. I had so much fun and I wanted to bring it back for all of you who may have one, listened to it and forgotten some of the fun facts or two, haven't heard it yet. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Please take the time to rate and review the podcast. It really does help me so much and it helps other people find the podcast. I so, so appreciate you all. Let's get into the episode. I'm sitting here with Dr. Shaneev um who is a plastic surgeon and the founder of Epilogic, which is this amazing skincare line that I had the pleasure of trying. Was that a month ago that you did the brunch? Just about, yeah. So congratulations on launching this fabulous product out into the world. I love it. Um, And I'm just really excited to have you on to talk about just skincare and also this plastic surgery stuff.
1: Thank you. Thank you for the kind words, first off. Um, yes. And it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. And this is your first podcast. First podcast ever. Well, it's going to be great. So I have to tell you that brunch that I went to. So I'm not an editor, as you know, like mm-hmm. I work. I just have a marketing job. That was my first ever like editor's breakfast brunch thing where they you gather everyone together and show them the products. And I thought, so I don't have anything to compare it to, but I thought that the one you did was so well done. Like your office, Brooklyn Face and I, gorgeous. The floral arrangements, the food, the juices, the
1: table displays, like it was so well done. Thank you. I had such great help. You know, like I definitely had a vision for what I wanted to come across that day. But the people that actually created those florals, provided the food, just helped create the whole ambiance. Like I got so lucky. And you were working on this product, you said, for three years? Just about three years. Yeah. It took a while. It definitely took a while. But
0: what was the beginning of the idea?
1: You know, it kind of came slowly. It came out of experiences in my practice. You know, there are lots of conversations with ladies. Um, They come in and, you know, they have all these questions about their skin and how can they really take care of their skin Mm -hmm. best. Mm -hmm. And then you have people that have been using lots of products for a very long time and they're just not seeing results. Yeah. And I'd even have them come in and show me what they're on. And you could just see how confused they were. And so I really just wanted to... Be able to simplify things for them. I wanted to make sure that I had a product line that was approachable, easy to use. If you were consistent with it, you would see results. And also that, you know, the price point wasn't crazy. So I wanted it to be um, a great supplement to the treatments I was doing for Mm -hmm. those that were already coming in and seeing a doctor. I also wanted to create an opportunity for people that don't have that access. If they have questions about how do I start taking care of my skin? Mm -hmm. It's really all the basic active ingredients that get you results, that get you healthy skin.
0: Yes. Well, I definitely want to start talking about some of those ingredients. But first, how did you get into skincare? And like growing up, did you think I want to be a plastic surgeon?
1: Definitely not. (laughs) Like I am not one of those kids that grew up and thought I was even going to be a doctor. Like my road to medicine was somewhat meandering. When I found medicine, I went into ophthalmology. So my first specialty was on eye surgery. Okay. Right? And so I was doing all these really refined, delicate surgical procedures. And then I found out that there was actually like a creative plastic surgery side to that as well. Mm-hmm. And so that like, once I found out about that, like I was done for anything else, it, it really took over my life.
0: And yeah. you were just like, this is what I want to do for the rest of all time.
1: Not only that, but it was like, this is what I want to excel at. This is what I want to mm. master. Right. Like it it was like this really great
0: challenge. Yeah. And you're like one out of 500 ocular facial
1: surgeons. Yeah. I think that's the t- statistic. I think they say there's 500 of us around the world. I don't know if anyone's verified that or, or not, but it's definitely a small group if you think about how small the subspecialty is.
0: Yeah. So highly specialized. And I would imagine there aren't a lot of black women either. Either.
1: Correct. I mean, thinking about who else is in the field that I, I know, I, I think there's like two or three that I know of wow. in the United States.
0: So did you have this modeled for you, like just growing up, like even knowing this was a career path where your parents in medicine yeah, so my mom's a physician,
1: but okay. it certainly wasn't anything um in beauty or cosmetically related. She was an internal medicine doctor and she specialized in endocrinology, sort like hormonal disorders She okay. would take care of diabetes and thyroid issues. Yeah. So definitely nothing um aesthetic at all. Okay. Yeah. Was she into beauty? Not at all. My really? mom is like I adore her, love her. And I don't mean this to come across the wrong way. But like, if she checks her reflection before she leaves the house, like, I'm surprised. It's just <laughs> really? not on her radar okay. at all. Okay. Like, she's very much. Um, she's very utilitarian. Okay. You know, like, that's kind of fluff to her. So um, if she likes your skincare
0: line, that's a huge compliment. Does she like it? Does she use Logic? She does use it. Okay. Um,
1: my mom's funny, though, right? Like, my mom's really tough. Um, she does love the products. She uses them, but she's just like, how come I'm not seeing all my wrinkles gone overnight? <laughs> exactly. And I'm just like, that's not really how skincare works.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know. But she sounds like me, like we get impatient, right? It's like you've Absolutely. used something for a week and you're like, where are my acne scars they are still there. I'm still seeing fine lines. You expect Absolutely. overnight results.
1: Absolutely. She's, she's a tough critic.
0: And you're Haitian? I am Haitian. Yes. Haitian. Okay. Yes. And so... Maybe this is a stereotype that I've learned about like West Indian or maybe like um, families, but very, very high expectations in terms of
1: academic excellence, like bringing home good grades so Was that. I would say that was like my grandparents. Okay. Um, my mom was so easy on me, you know, like, really? I'd come home with whatever grade it was, regardless if it was like a 96 or a 72. And her only question was like, did you try your hardest? And I would say yes. And she's like, you aced it then. I, you know, the number doesn't matter. Oh, my mom that. was very cool with me about that sort of thing. I love that. Um, I also was a good student, so she didn't have to like chase try. after me, yeah. you know, yeah. um, but there was definitely no pressure. That's great. On the other hand, my grandparents, oh, My grand, You know, if I came home with the 96, my grandfather was like, you left four points somewhere. You need to go find them before you come back home. Yeah. And were you into beauty growing up? I sort of like, I got interested in skincare, you know, around sort of like early teens sort of thing. And you have perfect skin now. Have you always had perfect skin? No, definitely not. I had a forehead full of acne. Really? Yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. And that was sort of like... The quest, right? Yes. Like, is there something I can do to improve this? And so, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of go into the drugstore and you comb the aisles and yes. you 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 sort of get acquainted with everything that's there. And I think that's when I learned that there were like some things that worked better than other things in regards to what your issues were, like I I think that sort of started the curiosity for me. Yeah. A lot of my friends were getting into cosmetics mm-hmm. and I just it didn't really grab me in that way. Yeah. And I'm still hopeless with makeup, honestly. Okay. So you're skincare first. <laughs> yeah. Do you mis- wear any makeup at all? I do wear like, I wear like tinted sunscreens. Okay. I always have mascara on when I nice. leave the house. Um, every once in a while, I'll put on like a little bit of color on my cheeks if I feel like I look sallow. Yeah. Um, but that's really all I do.
0: That's a testament to having great skin. Thank you. Are there lots of patients that you work with that you see over time, they wear less and less makeup because their skin's improved so much, or you've done something to them that makes them
1: feel like, okay, I don't need to have foundation or concealer. Yeah. It's a conversation we have, right? Mm. The idea is cosmetics should be a choice, not a necessity, Mm -hmm. right? You put it on because you want to look, not because you feel like you have something that you have to cover up. Right. Right. I love that distinction. I want to talk to you about eye creams because yeah.
0: I feel like there are so many eye creams on the market. You specialize in this area and I've always had dark circles and fine lines. So it's something I'm always like looking for the best eye cream and mm-hmm. eye creams range from like $14 all the way up to, I was just looking at um, Amore Pacific. They have an eye cream that's $260. The eye cream you have an EpiLogic. I haven't tried it. It looks great. Mm-hmm. It seems like reasonably priced, mm-hmm. but I think I want to talk about two things. One, uh-huh. what can an eye cream really do in terms of changing the skin around your eyes? And two, as you're buying eye creams, what are the things that you should be looking for?
1: Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, first and foremost, no eye cream is ever going to get rid of bags. Mm. So if you're ever reading a label and it says something about that, like that is such a falsehood. Um, that is um, deceptive marketing. What about depuffing? puffing so I think for depuffing, the action of your hands applying the eye cream is probably mm-hmm. more um, useful. Like getting the blood circulated. Correct. In. Okay. Than the actual thing you're applying topically. Wow. Right? Maybe a little bit of caffeine can slightly kind of get a little bit of congestion out yes. of the eye area. But besides that, you're not going to affect big change. With something applied topically. That's so interesting.
0: And it also validates my cold spoon. I keep like mm-hmm. spoons in the freezer and yep. like if I, and I'll just like rub it around that area and I see a huge difference.
1: Absolutely. Right. Okay. That cold will help. You just want to like clamp down the blood vessels so that yes. they're not leaky. They're not like contributing to like a puffy look. Okay. But, um, Nothing's really great. Cause if you think about it, those changes are happening below the level of the skin. Mm. So how is something that you're just applying on the skin surface supposed to act so deeply? Right. And so it's happening
0: what? At the, at
1: the level of the veins or what, what causes dark circles? So dark circles are kind of a tricky, tricky thing to unravel, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many different causes. First off, like some people just genetically have dark circles yeah. and it has to do with like their bony configuration, right? Okay. It has to do with sort of how close to the the rim the of the bones underneath that your skin okay. is, right? Some people have dark circles just because they're kind of hollow in that area, yeah. right? And so you're casting a shadow. So it looks kind of dark. Uh, right? I see. It's not even necessarily that your skin is darker. It's a shadow that's being Correct. reflected. Interesting. Right. So that's why people really love fillers underneath the eye, yes. because if you can kind of tent up where that little shadow is being cast, then it's just not going to be as dark, right. right? Other things you'll see, like we just mentioned, like if the blood is kind of stagnant under there, if you have poor circulation, it's just going to look kind of dusky. Mm, right? Is that why if you don't get a lot of
0: sleep or you're not yes. feeling well, your yes. dark circles are worse? Absolutely. Because things aren't flowing. Absolutely. So does drinking more water help with dark circles? A tiny bit. A tiny (laughs) bit. Does it, as as someone who does this professionally, the amount of times that people say, like, drinking water is my number one
1: skincare tip, does that, do you feel like that's a falsehood? I think if you're expecting magic to happen from drinking water, um, it's all about setting expectations. If you're dehydrated, you're going to look terrible, right? Right. But as long as you have a normal level of hydration, I don't think drinking an extra amount of water is going to get you any more of a beauty benefit. Right. So what does eye cream do? Yeah, We've we've outlined what it doesn't do, but what can it do? Yep. So lots of things it can do. It can brighten the area a little bit, right? Because some forms of dark circles actually are just like, sort of like pigment collecting in the skin. Right. Mm. And if that's your cause of dark circles, something that brightens, like, you know, vitamin A, like a retinol, vitamin mm. C, vitamin E, you'll definitely affect some change there. Okay. In terms of getting rid of fine lines, some retinol is also going to help as well. Okay. Right? Does your eye cream have retinol in it? It has a form of vitamin A. Yeah. I have oh, retinol wow. palmitate in my eye cream. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Also hydration, right? If you're getting a lot of, um, fine lines around the mm-hmm. under eye area and you're patting in something that's really deeply hydrating, it's going to help fill those in so you don't notice as many lines anymore. Nice.
0: Yeah. Now, for makeup wearers like mm-hmm. me, I feel like for, I'm always trying to figure out, does my concealer work with my eye cream? Because sometimes they don't play right. nicely. Right. When you were developing your eye cream, did you test to make sure that like it worked with different makeup
1: products over it? Like, Because that's a consideration as well, right? Absolutely. I finished the formulation and I loved it. And then I put it off into my patient population and they have come back to me and they've told me that it plays well with me. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So was there anything that surprised you in
0: terms of getting the product in the hands of people versus what you thought as you were developing EpiLogic? I'm
1: going to be honest with you. I was so nervous when I released, I felt that about everything, Yeah, you know, like when it came out, I was like, if no one loves it, fine, I'll just use it myself for the rest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. And, but you know, Fortunately, the response has been great. The feedback has been great. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. the
0: products are really, really incredible. Thank you. Like, I'm Thank definitely going to buy that um, master growth factor. Is that what it's called? The master plan. The yeah. master plan that has human growth factor in it. Yes. Um, and collagen. And the vitamin C is so good as well. Right. Now, let's talk about that master plan. Yep. Explain what it is because you explained it at the brunch I sort of understood, but like, if you could break it down, like I'm five years old, that would be so amazing. Okay. So at its
1: most basic level, it's kind of like a really fancy hyaluronic acid serum, right? Okay. So at its base, it's got like some hydrating properties. Now we all have growth factors in our bodies, in our skin. Okay. Right? And when we're young, we have a lot. And if you okay. you can kind of think of them as like healing proteins, right? If there is an injury to the skin, they kind of get recruited to the area and they help just repair our bodies. Okay. This is sort of why microneedling treatments have Uh, become all the rage, which I just did. And it was, did you love it?
0: Well, I feel like I was misled because people were like, Oh, it's a quick, very down. Like I was in so much pain. Maybe it's because I just have a very low pain threshold. It was with an intracell machine. Are you familiar with that? I am. Yeah. So For me, it was very intense. I don't have, I'm trying to think of, I've never done laser, so I don't have that to compare it to. I've done microblading for my eyebrows, which was very painful. I've never given birth, so I can't, but for me, it was very painful. And I feel like people didn't really prepare me for the (laughs) level of pain that I was going to experience. And I did it on a level one. Did you get numbed? I got numbed. I I numbed for an hour because I like begged, but, and I don't, and I think that there was nothing wrong with the way that it was done. Like, I think it was, I think they did an amazing job. I think it's just me and me being a baby. And also like, I think a lot of times people will talk about like, Oh, I did a chemical peel. It was great. And like, yes, the results are great, but like, I feel like a lot of times people don't talk about like the nitty gritty, like the less comfortable parts of it, but I'm, it's now been a week and I feel like my skin does look better. Like your skin glows. Yeah. I felt, I feel like it was gorgeous. Thank you. I feel like it was an effective treatment. I don't know if I would be willing to do like that level of, cause you have to do it continually. Right. So
1: yeah, I don't really have an answer. honestly, I've not heard of that much pain. Maybe I'm just a baby. Um, But there are lots of things that can influence the amount of pain you feel on a particular procedure. True. True. Especially um, someone asked me if I was like
0: around my period and that was like a huge tip for me. And I think I was very close to it. And now I'm going to realize that like, if I ever do anything like that again, I can't do it right near my cycle.
1: Right. That's that's now that you have that sort of in your mind, yes. you can use that plan accordingly. accordingly. Um, yes. not deter you from trying it again. Yes. Okay. So, but those, those growth factors
0: that are in the skin are activated with things like microneedling. Right.
1: So okay. that's a lot of why you see that really beautiful result with microneedling. Mm-hmm. So my thought process was if we didn't have to go to the doctor's office to necessarily get a boost in growth factors on our skin, mm. how amazing would that be? Yeah. Hence the master plan. Got it. Yes. Got it. Cause a lot of your your products are
0: multitasking as well. So like CoQ ten comes up a lot, mm-hmm. which is what it kind of protects your skin from environmental damage. Exactly.
1: It's an antioxidant.
0: Yeah. I yeah. love I love the toner. Even
1: balance. Even yes. balance.
0: I love that product. And it has CoQ ten in it. It does. Right?
1: Yes. So it's CoQ ten, aloe, hyaluronic acid. Essentially, a lot of people think of toners as kind of astringents. And this is not that kind. If anything, it's really like hydrating and plumping and lovely, and it kind of preps your skin for the rest of your routine. I use it more like an essence. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Yes, that was the intention. And as you're developing your
0: products, are you thinking, okay, this is for people with dry skin, oily skin, combination skin, or are you thinking this is really for every skin type?
1: You know, it's tough to say that something is for everyone, but Mm -hmm. I tried my best to Make the products really well balanced so that they'd be suitable for a large number of skin types. Okay. Um, that being said, my, um, my moisturizer, the total package is very, very, very rich. Oh, so, so I have. So good for winter. Yes. Like I have oily skin, so I can't reach for it during like the more temperate seasons, mm-hmm. but come winter, like it's my savior. Yes. You know? That's the only product that I would say is a little bit of a departure from the rest in that like, if you do are, if you do run a little bit more oily, you may not reach for it as often, but yeah. the rest of the products are really meant to be palatable for most skin types. That's great. Well, I have very dry skin, so I'm like forever trying to get moisture back
0: in, which is why I love that so many of your products have hyaluronic acid. Cause I feel like I didn't understand the role of hyaluronic acid until. Recently, like it's so big for just like a tra-
1: trapping moisture in the skin, right? Exactly. So it's like, it's a magnet for moisture. They say yeah. that it can absorb like a thousand times its weight in moisture. And so when you put it on, especially when your skin is already a little damp, mm-hmm. that's when you'll see the magic. It just kind of plumps and makes your skin look dewy and healthy. Yes. Yeah. So as you are treating
0: patients for procedures. What do, you, what do you call like fillers and Botox? What what, what genre is that in? Like cosmetic <laughs> yeah, procedures? Yeah. So what do you think the balance is between skincare and then these kind of more invasive
1: um, procedures? Right. So it's tough. I think it depends on when you get started. Okay. Right. Because I'll put myself out there. I started getting injectable treatments when I was 25. Okay, and wow. I've never gone and done a lot of anything all at once. 25 is really young, no? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I did. Wow. I started young. And what did you do? Like Botox? Mm-hmm. or I got wow. Botox, yeah. I'm well, you look again. really young. Now. I don't know how old you are now, but you look really young. Thank you. A lot of people say... If you do the Botox before the wrinkles form, they never have, never have a chance to form. Was Some, that your
1: thinking? Something like that. Well, honestly, it was curiosity. I okay. was like, what's this about? Can it really make me look better? And then I did it and I loved it. And so I just kept up with it. Okay. Um, I'm a big fan of doing little treatments, nothing. All at once. I don't really like stacking a lot of treatments all at once. Okay. I feel like you just do a little sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there. Okay. And it keeps you looking the most natural yes. moving forward. Yes. Um, that being said, if someone is coming to me initially in their fifties or their sixties, we might have to stack a couple of treatments just to get started. Okay. And then we can kind of go into a maintenance phase. Got it. Well, I do think that some of these treatments make such a big difference. Like I know I was telling you, I've done
0: Restylane um, in like my eye hollows Mm -hmm. and I did that a while ago now, but I was so shocked at what a huge difference it made. And I I was just buying eye cream thinking like, oh, this is going to help. And it's just, there's no comparison. Like it was able to dramatically improve the hollowness under my eyes. And I looked much more like awake and refreshed. I actually really want to do it again, but do you find that people come to you trying to use skincare products to like treat wrinkles or treat a problem area and then they get a treatment and
1: they're like, oh wow, this is a huge difference. Absolutely. I always kid with my patients that it's my job to keep them from the dark side. You yes, know, <laughs> like, yes, yes. They come in and, you know, they'll ask me what I think. And I'll be like, you know, I think we need to put a little filler here or a little Botox here. And then there's kind of a fever that happened. They're like, oh my gosh. I didn't know I could look this good. What else do you mm. think? And I'm just like, go home. Just yes, just, just enjoy what you just did. There's no need to like go off the deep end. Do
0: you have to cut people off sometimes? Like I, I do. can't do anything more.
1: I, I just, I do. I think for me, it's being proud of every result that leaves my office, mm-hmm. right? I never want to feel like I made someone look a little odd or yes. we overdid something. Yes. Um, so that is always really important with me. I'd rather always do a little less than kind of... Yes. Yeah. On, on, on your site, I love this. I wrote it down that you work with patients to
0: rejuvenate and refine appearance while staying true to their natural character, yeah. which I love. I feel like that should be the goal of all plastic surgery.
1: I mean, you would hope. Um, Unfortunately, like different facial features come into style. Yes. Okay. And so let's please talk about this. What have you seen become increasingly popular? I mean, obviously lips, right? Everyone wants like the hugely overinflated lips and I can't be, I can't be down with that. Right. That's a little scary.
0: (laughs) Is your clientele mixed race, like white women, black women. Yes. And do you feel like these larger lips are something that more like Caucasian women want? Are you finding it across the board? Um, Definitely Caucasian women.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never had a black woman come to me and, and say that they wanted their lips done. And yeah. I don't think I've even, I'm trying to imagine
0: in my head, I don't think I've even seen a black woman with lip filler.
1: Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I remember once mentioning to an older black woman that I thought she could do with a little bit of rebalancing in her lip. And mm-hmm. she looked so offended. Like <laughs> I've treated so many things on this woman and she's never like caught yeah. attitude with me for anything. And I mentioned the lips and she looked at me like, you are crazy.
0: <laughs> oh God, that is <laughs> so-, so funny. That is so funny. So the lip fillers, and is it that they... They want lips that don't feel like they would fit their, like, when do you say like, this is too much? Is it like they bring in a picture of Kylie Jenner and you're
1: like, what are you doing? Right. So I, for me, it's all about your features have to be in proportion with your face, Okay. right? Like if you have a certain bone structure, Mm -hmm. the size of your face and you have certain harmony, if you just throw like two syringes of lip filler, it's going to look bizarre. Yeah. Right. So really it's about just kind of keeping things proportionate. Yeah. What's another popular treatment that people want? So we had like a cheek moment, right? Like oh, I like feel the like cheekbones, mm-hmm, where yes. everyone wanted that. Yeah, and um, you do kind of have to talk people. You know, you've already you've already got great cheeks. There's no need to have like your eyes and your cheek become one large block. <laughs>
0: um, I know, but you know. So, are you familiar with Bella Hadid? I am. So I think. She's kind of become the poster child for what really good, because her face, she looks great, but we also know what she used to look like. And she was beautiful then, but it's like a very clear, like, oh, like the fillers can change. And because she looks so beautiful now, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I just want
1: a little of this and that and I'll look like her. I know. No, it's tricky. If you're coming in trying to look like someone else, mm. we've already lost, you know, yeah. like, yeah, that's that's not a good place to start. Yeah. If anything, when people come into me and I feel like the conversation is going to an unhealthy place. Yes. Um, you kind of turn things around like, okay, so what do you love on your face? How can we play that Mm, up? Right. Rather than show me all the things that are wrong and how we're going to correct all of them. I just, it's not my style. So do, but do people bring in pictures of celebrities? I have a couple of younger patients Okay, and they tend to do that. I don't have a ton of very yeah. young injectable patients, but I do have like a handful and they do want to sit there on the cell phone and flip through photos of celebrities. Like, what do you think of her lips? Do you think I should have those lips? What do you think wow. of her jaw? Should I have that jaw? And it gets, it, it makes me feel a little dirty. Like I don't, I don't love, because yeah. they feel so young and impressionable and you I can know. see that they're just like staring at these faces with like hope and I know. Yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good. Is there an age that you feel like it's too young to start
0: doing anything to your face? I mean, I just told you I started at 25. 25. <laughs> I know, I know.
1: <laughs> um
0: So that's tough. For me... <laughs> but I guess at 25, like your bones... It's not like you're 18. Right. Or, like right. things are kind of set-ish, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the youngest person I've ever treated, probably 23, 24. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I did have an 18 year old come to me once for Mm. filler and I for under eye filler and I didn't feel good about that. And I turned her away.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's good because there's also just I'm not for or against plastic surgery. I'm for women making the choice to do what they want with their own faces. But I do think that if you begin to do it, when you're too young it could just kind of shift your self-perception in a way that may manifest in like unhealthy um body image or facial image.
1: I I agree. And so I have qualms about participating in that journey with them, mm-hmm. you know, like I just don't feel like that's right for me. But that being said, I have adult women who are now in their 40s and they're like, "Oh yeah, I had my eyes done when I was 16, 15, 16. Wow. I had my nose done when I was 17. It was a gift from my parents." Yeah. And I mean, they're fine. It's just Yeah. It's something that.
0: It's a personal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I just don't feel great about it.
0: Okay. Let's talk about Botox because I have had so many women come on this podcast and be like, I love Botox. Like it is a game changer. I love it. I'm obsessed. I've never done Botox, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily because I'm against it. I just don't even know where to begin. Like what would I even Botox?
1: I mean, you, so when I'm looking at someone and I'm Mm -hmm. deciding whether they're a good candidate for Botox, Mm -hmm. I'm looking to see how much Sort of tension creeps up into their face when they're animating and talking. Oh, interesting. And you have none of that. Oh, really? So I don't, yeah. Okay. You're, you're smooth. I'm not a candidate for Botox. I just, I think it. I don't really think that it would give you that much more like you're totally smooth and lineless as it is. Okay. Yeah.
0: I have been told though, that Restylane is good for filling the under eyes, Mm -hmm. but I also have fine lines and I've heard that you can do Botox under your eyes, but like that kind of makes me nervous because it feels like kind of intense. Is that something that you've seen? Oh,
1: absolutely. So you can do Botox for the crow's feet, like the smile lines at the corner of your eyes. Okay, And when you smile, you don't really have many of those either. (laughs) Right. So here's my thing. Yeah. I'm not into, botoxing all the expression out of your face. I just mm. think that makes for a scary looking face, yeah, right? I you agree. still want to emote. Yes. And I think a little line that comes up when you're smiling is a good thing. Yes. A, a little line around the eyes. Yeah. Because when there's discord between your upper face and your lower face. So if you've got oh a big gosh, yeah. bright smile and then your eyes are dead, yeah. that's crazy town. Like that's that's yeah. not an aesthetic yeah. ideal that yeah. I want I to kind of participate in. So um I think when you have smile lines that kind of radiate far out and it's kind mm-hmm. of distracting from your smile, then it makes sense to kind of s- soften those. Yeah. But um, I'm not into Botoxing all the expression. Yeah. Face. I
0: see it all the time on television with anchor women a lot. Like right. they're talking and their mouths are moving, but then like right. their entire top part of their face, it's like a sm- it's like an ice skating rink. It's like sm- nothing. It's scary. It's scary. And it's so like, I'm sure you, I know you treat supermodels If it. I'm sure actresses also like. When your face is your tool to do your job, I'm so surprised that so many actors, I guess, compromise their ability to emote by doing injections.
1: I'll say my actresses are my best patients. Really? Because they get it. They want to still be able to emote, right? They're just like, this can't be gone. I still need to be able to furrow a little bit. I still need to be able to raise my brows. I still need to be able to smile with my eyes. I just, I don't want it to be harsh. Like, oh my gosh, I I love working with the actresses because they get it more than anything. I'm not trying to convince them that you need to retain some expression. Yeah.
0: I think I remember when Renee Zellweger kind of like popped back up and she had done a lot of work and people were like, what even have you done? Right. And it was so disappointing because she's such a phenomenal actress. But then when you saw her post the work, it was like, it wasn't the
1: same. It's distracting. Yeah. Right. I think our brains look at a face that's abnormal and we can't figure out what's abnormal, but like there's something, there's like a discord, there's something that happens and we're just scanning, you know? Exactly. So men, do men come to you?
0: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And have you seen more men? Because I feel like there's been this moment. Do you watch the show Queer Eye on Netflix? I've seen a couple of episodes. I love that show. But so much of what the guys are saying to, you know, straight men is it's not feminine to take care of yourself. Like Mm -hmm. they go to all of these very kind of like overly macho guys and they're like, I don't know, I just wake up and and they're like, okay, but. You're a human being and you want to look presentable and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not effeminate to like put sunscreen on in the morning. You can see these men kind of having these moments, but I feel like over time we've seen that men have been embracing self care more and
1: more. So I would imagine over the years, you've seen more and more men come to your practice. Absolutely. I mean, my practice is still predominantly women, but I have seen the number of men increase. And there's something really interesting about when a man comes in. Yeah. When a woman comes in, she's exploring. So Mm -hmm. tell me what you think. What can I do? What do you think this would look good on? me. What about that? When a guy comes in, he's like, let's go. you he's know, like, like, Yeah. He's just like, I'm here for a reason. Stop talking. Just let's do the stuff. And do but, they love the results? Oh, absolutely. I
0: absolutely. Know. Yeah. Because everyone wants to look good. It's not a male or female thing. Right. So do you also do like nose jobs? And- no. So okay.
1: surgically, I
0: just do eyelid work. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with like this eyelid surgery that's really popular in Asia? I mean, I guess it's popular here too, but like to create the double eyelid.
1: Yeah, I do that procedure.
0: Oh, you do that procedure. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about, I feel like this line between things that are undesirable that are related to a certain ethnicity or race, it becomes this complicated thing because if there are Jewish women or black women that get their nose done to make it more narrow, is that they want to have more Eurocentric features. If there are Asian women that want the kind of more like Western European double eyelid? Is that like an erasure of their Asian identity? It's all very complicated. And I don't think I've like formed a full opinion on it. Cause again, I think people should be able to do whatever they want with their face. But does
1: that creep into these conversations that you have? So first off for these Asian patients that I'm treating for double eyelid surgery, they don't want to look Western. Mm. They literally just want that little space above their lashes so that they can apply cosmetic it was a movement in the past mm-hmm. to give them more Western looking eyelids mm-hmm. and that has definitely shifted. Okay. Um I'll be honest with you, when an Asian woman comes to the office and she's there for a double eyelid consult, you guys are gonna be looking at a magnifying mirror and she's <laughs> gonna be like, where exactly is it like they're very yeah. specific about not wanting Western looking lids. Wow. Yeah. That's great. um no, it's it's wonderful. You have to show them to the millimeter that mm-hmm. you're not gonna alter their the character of their Mm -hmm. eyes very much Mm -hmm. um so that's it's um that's reassuring absolutely yeah
0: yeah and the other thing it's like the reason why i have such complicated feelings about it is people will criticize black women for maybe wanting to get a nose job to have a more like western nose but then if a white woman comes in and wants to get her lips enlarged does she hate her whiteness and hate her white identity like right no absolutely not she just wants to have the certain look and if a black woman makes that same choice it's somehow seen as like the
1: self-hatred thing so it's like i don't know i don't know if it feels totally fair oh it's definitely not fair right um yeah. there is a weird double standard that happens with um seeking out procedures and sort of who gets a pass for what yeah yeah but do you yeah. spend time on the west
0: coast a little bit not okay. a lot
1: to be honest with you every time i'm in la i see
0: Some of the wildest plastic surgery work I've ever seen in my life. And I kind of have this theory that some women rather look weird or strange than old.
1: This is a conversation I also have with my patients. I think it has become a marker of wealth, Mm, right? Um, You want to look done. It's like having the fashionable bag. You want to communicate that to people around you. It's like a Birkin. Yes, exactly. Wow. That's so true. Yeah. It's scary. It's so, but it's so...
0: It's like, you don't look young. You just look like there's some work done. So that would make sense. But do most people, as they get older... I guess you would say that they just want to look like the best version of themselves. They don't want to look younger. Right. Yes.
1: The, yeah. That's the easiest patient to work with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, when someone is trying to alter their face to look like something else, that's tricky. Yeah. If anything, I love the patient where we can look at their old photos and look at how mm. their face has oh, been maturing and how their face is evolving and yeah. kind of stay true to their features and their character that that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. So for, the um,
0: cheek injectables that you said were yep. a big trend. What exactly is happening when, when you do those? Is it, are you
1: injecting a filler into the cheekbones? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so what I love to do is I love to just trace the natural bony anatomy of a patient okay. and just kind of augment it. Right. Cause okay. as we get older, we lose some bone definition. We lose mm. a little bit of the fat pad that kind of mm-hmm. um, cushions the bone. Yeah. Um, and so things can look a little deflated. Things can kind of start to descend. And so you just want to restore, um, where things were before,
0: okay. Yeah. But do it with in in moderation, so Absolutely. that it doesn't look too yeah. unnatural.
1: I would much rather go syringe by syringe. You know, you inject a little bit, you come back, we'll see how you look. I'm not going anywhere. Like mm-hmm. we can always continue the journey, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a one visit and done. Yeah. And
0: how do you suggest people? Fun- like you're obviously great and thoughtful and care about what you do, but I'm sure there are a lot of plastic surgeons that aren't as thoughtful or aren't as patient with um, the people that come to see them. And what is like the best way to really find someone in your area? I'm familiar with real self, which is like, um, it's all advertising.
1: Speak? That's right. It's, it's like a paid thing. Yeah. <laughs> So here's the thing. It's tough because there's the taboo and people aren't necessarily telling their friends about what they're getting done and who they're getting it done with. Mm -hmm. Right. But the best move is always a referral. Like you see someone, your friend has gotten a glow up and you're like, you look good. I can't pin my finger on what it is, but you're definitely looking better over the past couple of months that's the friend to ask, like, who've you been seeing, you know? Yes. Um, But unfortunately not everyone is comfortable having that conversation. Yeah. Like I'll have people leave my office and be like, you're my dirty little secret. Really? Yeah. No, they don't want people to um, know. So like word of mouth is always, is always going to be, you know, your, your best. The
0: best. Yeah. Yeah. So you have deep expertise in this area, but a lot of people that are doing fillers are just like, what's the minimum qualification?
1: You can kind of just be. There's none. I mean, you can be a physician's assistant. You can yeah. be a nurse. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be a doctor to right. do, um, injectables.
0: Right. Do you recommend that people check the qualifications of the person that they're going
1: to? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I would say make sure you're seeing a board certified physician, but honestly, there are like board certified pediatricians yeah. and OBGYNs doing injectables. So, <laughs> oh God. Um, it's tough. I would say, first and foremost, you want to make sure that someone is board certified and in an aesthetic specialty, mm-hmm. right? You want to see an oculoplastic surgeon, yeah. a dermatologist, a plastic surgeon, mm-hmm. a facial plastic surgeon. Mm-hmm. That's where I would start. Yeah. And I would also say probably don't price hunt. This is not where you want the coupon. Yeah. This, yeah. Is not, this is not, I'll be honest with you, not a lot of plastic surgeons who are getting great results and have steady returning clientele are offering specials. Right, right. And it's your face. Like, how many people come to you that have had bad work done somewhere else? All the time. Yeah, to fix it. I felt so bad for someone. She said that she went to to an office and she had some cheek filler done and it was put in the wrong place. She looked a little awkward to put it like mildly and then i asked her to find out what was placed because sometimes we can melt it and they put in something that you can't solve oh my god so she just kind of has to write it out for like a year and a half two oh years oh my god and then um i asked her to share with me the name of the person i was curious like who yeah. did this and uh, it was a family practice doctor
0: mm, so he didn't even have expertise in this area he just did it Correct. and clearly didn't know what he was doing Correct. scary yeah when it comes to the actual stuff that you're injecting, there's like Restalin, there's Juvederm. Mm-hmm. What are the other kind of fillers, and how do how how do you recommend that people kind of choose what's best for them? So
1: I would say rather the the names that you threw out, those are fillers, but those are like brand names of products, okay. right? Okay. So I think rather than get caught up in the different products because there are very many, yeah. you can kind of think about the categories of fillers mm. okay right? yeah. what are the categories? so the big category is hyaluronic acid fillers, okay. and all the ones you mentioned are I'll just say h a hyaluronic acid fillers. Okay. And those are great fillers for a newbie. If you've never had anything put in mm. your face before, um, get a hyaluronic acid filler because okay. if you don't love the results, it can be melted away. Right. Yes. So. Filler regret is really rare, but it's lovely knowing that it's not permanent. It's yeah. not, you know, that you have an option in case you don't love the result. And also from
0: what I understand from fillers, it's buildable, right? So you can do half of a syringe and then look at it and then be like, okay, I want a little bit more. And then Absolutely. save yeah. your, do people save
1: their syringes? I prefer not to. Some yeah. patients do ask me to. I just get really concerned about the possibility of infections. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the idea of stuff sitting around. Yeah. I, um, I feel that, but yeah. So. Something that's kind of fun that I do with my patients is we'll do like half to three quarters of the treatment and then I'll let them see the results. And then with a little bit that's left in the syringe, we can kind of do some refining, right? Mm. Because you know your face best. And if mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my gosh, I would love a little bit more in this part of my cheek right here. That's always where I wanted to have a little bit more projection. Yeah. I can do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I lay the foundation and I let the patient assist me in refining the result.
0: Great. And cost approximately like per syringe depends right? on the product
1: i would say for most syringes you're probably going to be in about the 800 to 900 range and how long does that last Depends on the part of the face, right? Okay. So, like you mentioned that you had your under eyes uh, yeah. treated some yeah. time back. It's gone. <laughs> under eyes are a really static area of the face, yeah. so you'll get longevity out of that, yeah. right? You'll get at least a year. Oh yeah, I definitely got a year. Yeah, yeah. But like lips, for example, lips are mobile; they move mm-hmm. a lot, right? And so that product is going to get broken down faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so lips might last you about six months or so
0: yeah yeah and are there people that have bad reactions to hyaluronic acid is it like a relatively safe thing to be <laughs> injecting into your face yeah
1: it's part of our own bodies it's yeah. just part of our own system so yeah. you won't be allergic to the hyaluronic acid itself yeah. yeah
0: once you start these things i feel like it gets very tempting to like well not tempting it's probably best to keep it up right and then it's just i feel like especially for women, like I'm thinking about like my hair, my (laughs) nails, facials, working out. And then you add fillers and and Botox and it's like the the monthly bill starts to get quite high. It's true. It's
1: true. So first thing is, I think there's a misconception that if you start getting it, you have to continue getting it because Mm -hmm. your skin will stretch out. If you're getting tasteful work done, that's not going to happen. But yes, you're right. It is another appointment. Yeah. But for most people, they love the results so much that it's just like kind of worth putting on the calendar.
0: And there's this other thing that you do that I saw on Instagram. I think Naomi did it where you inject Botox. And like vitamin C in people's skin. And I've never, I've never seen anything like this. Could you please explain what that treatment is? I love
1: it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's called micro infusions. Okay. All right. Think about all the lovely things that we love applying to our skin, right? Yeah. Like topically in terms yeah. of product. Now imagine you can get those ingredients instead of just sitting on the surface of your skin into your skin itself. Mm. So um, the treatment is called micro infusions and you essentially are able to stamp these active ingredients and you tailor it for the person's skin, what you're noticing. Mm-hmm. They, um, They need, um, and you can deliver it right into the depth of the skin, right? So it's injected under
0: the layer of the skin. Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: So what I love using is a little bit of hyaluronic acid. It kind of plumps the skin and kind of gives you, um, you know, like everyone wants that kind of like dewy, plumpy look. Right. And so that'll give you that. Botox is really good for like that glass skin look kind of makes you look poreless, um, gives it a little bit of a sheen and the vitamin C brightens a little bit. Great. Yeah.
0: Great. So, Epilogic—the title mm-hmm. was this because you wanted like a more logical,
1: no nonsense approach to skincare. That was that was you nailed it. Yeah, that was that was the goal. Um, really, I just wanted to have an approach, make it so clear that this is just like logical, proven, simple.
0: Yes, and I think a lot of people are confused about the order of skincare, mm-hmm. right? Like what happens when? Could you just take us through a little bit, like how you recommend people use the full line?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think at its most basic level, you want to think about applying products thin to thick, right? Okay. Right. So if you're going to start, you would go ahead with a cleanser. Mm-hmm. I have two cleansers. I have the rose hip cleanser and I also have the glycolic wash clean reveal. Um, so depending on whether you want something a little bit more active, that would be mm-hmm. the glycolic cleanser okay. or something a little bit more restorative. Um, that's the rose hip okay. cleanser. And what is glycolic acid good for? I love glycolic. Okay, so it's really good for brightening. It's an exfoliant, so it's gonna get the dead skin cells off the surface of your skin. Okay. So it gives you kind of like an even surface to work with and it basically just undoes the glue in between dead skin cells so they slough a little faster and so is it good for hyperpigmentation and acne scarring very much so yeah yeah um if you're working to correct you want more active ingredients like Mm -hmm. more exfoliation Mm -hmm. like a glycolic okay okay so so you've cleansed your face then you've cleansed your face and if you choose to use a toner that would be the time um i actually like the toner to be applied when your skin is just a little bit damp you'll kind of get a little bit more mileage out of it especially since it has the hyaluronic acid in it. And then you can kind of pick what you want to address, right? Mm -hmm. There are three different serums. There is a retinol serum. It's called Double Feature um, because it has retinol and some lactic acid. And so that would be great for nighttime there's the antioxidants uh, serum, the Daily Dose. And mm-hmm. so that's a lovely serum for daytime. And then there's the Master Plan we talked about. So that's kind of like the hyaluronic acid serum with some growth factors in nice. it. Okay, I do the Daily Dose and the Master Plan. Am I doing too much? Not at all, Okay, not at all. Because <laughs> I love layering the two. I feel like it's so lovely together. They really would be nice. And honestly, I've done this thing also where I've been using the Daily Dose and the Double Feature together. Oh, um nice. Instead of using the antioxidant serum in the morning, I'll sometimes just put it under the retinol serum at night and i love 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 the way my skin looks in the morning yes and retinol is such
0: a game changer i feel like i've talked about it so
1: much on this podcast but like people
0: don't realize how good retinol is for your skin but i was like somehow resistant to retinol because i was like oh it's like a chemical like I was looking for natural alternatives to retinol and I don't know why I was so nervous about it because it's like completely transformed my skin and I love retinol. I feel like the one thing though that I will say about retinol that I'm sure you will agree with me on, you have to wear suns, You can't wear it during the day
1: correct? and you have to be diligent about your sunscreen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, I think that's like a non-negotiable if you're going to use a retinol. And if anything, if you're using a retinol and you're not following those rules, you might be doing more harm to your skin than good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely retinol at night um, retinol is a game changer. Exactly. As you said, I think it's like the superhero skincare ingredient, right? Sunscreen wins, right? Sunscreen is number one in terms of everything, but number two, in terms of like a product that will give you great mileage on improving your skin, keeping your skin healthy. Like I don't think anything can match retinol.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're working on a sunscreen.
1: I would love a sun. That was the one hole in my line because I'm so passionate about, just informing people about the benefits of sunscreen and the fact that Epilogic doesn't have one made me a little ashamed, you know? Well, what sunscreen do you like? Uh, so I personally use Elta MD every day. That's people my go-to. I Elta MD, the clear one. I like the tinted one. Okay. Um, some people feel like it leaves a little bit of a cast on their skin. Yeah, it depends on um, your skin tone. Yeah, yeah, so it works for me, but... Elta MD is my go-to. Okay, yeah. I love Supergoop, the unseen sunscreen. Yes, that's, like that's, that's the one that a lot of my so I recommend Elta to a lot of my patients, and I'd say like the vast majority of them love it. Mm-hmm. The ones that don't, I turn them on to Supergoop, the one you're using, okay. unseen sunscreen, and that's the one that they love too. And I just discovered a new one. It's called Black Girl Sunscreen. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I haven't tried it yet. It's I must, great. I must. It's great. I, must. Yeah. I started
0: using it, and it's it's really great. There's there was just such a hole I feel like for so long for Black women in sunscreen that didn't leave the cast, and I'm so happy to see that more. Products are being created, and also awareness about Black people even needing sunscreen. Like it's not even a conversation anymore. People get it,
1: right? It's so important. I'm happy that that shift has finally come. Yes. Yeah.
0: So for like the best skin of your life, what are what what would you say are like the top three treatments or products that you recommend?
1: Ooh, best skin of your life. Okay, so I'm gonna put it out there. Like for skincare, sunscreen, and retinol. Yep. So everyone needs a little bit of resurfacing, right? So whether that's like a chemical peel every now and then, Mm -hmm. or just like a gentle laser, Mm -hmm. I think that's going to get you really far. Yeah, Not everyone needs Botox or fillers, to be honest with you, right? Like I looked at you and I was like, oh my gosh, you're perfect. Like you don't, you don't need any of those, um, like Botox at least, um, but, and, but it sounds like lasers. also you really recommend. I do. I love the Clear and Brilliant laser. Okay. That's the one I have in my office. And what does what, that do? So it's really nice. So it's a gentle laser. Okay. And I fear saying that to you, given that <laughs> someone told you that microneedling was you know gentle. And... <laughs> it's
0: fine. Now I'm like just readjusting all my expectations for everything. Okay.
1: <laughs> so it's a gentle laser. Um, I numb patients before. Okay. Um, and basically what it does is there's very little downtime. Like you'll be pink for couple of hours at best. Okay. For me, the pink lasts like two hours and then my skin looks back to normal. Okay. But what it does is it's really good at evening out hyperpigmentation. Mm. It's really good at decreasing the size of your pores and it just kind of gives you that nice, glowy, awake look to your Mm. face. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've heard great things about lasers. People love, love, love it. Yeah.
1: Um, it's a big category, right? There's like, we could probably chat about lasers for hours and hours and hours, but for me, um, especially because my practice um, comprises lots of different skin tones. Not mm-hmm. all lasers are all skin tone safe. Uh, yeah. Right. So yeah. it's really important that I have something in my hands that I know that I can deliver safe treatments and good results. And for me, that's the clear and brilliant. Yeah. So yeah. for, for
0: melanated women and, and listeners now, like, is there a specific laser that you recommend?
1: Uh, yeah. Clear and brilliant. The like clear and brilliant. Yeah.
0: Are, are there ones that you don't recommend?
1: A CO2 laser is probably not the best choice for melanated skin. Yeah. Okay. You could, the, the risk of hyperpigmentation is just too high. Yeah. Not worth it. Too high. Yeah.
0: A question I ask all of my guests are beauty mistakes. Cause like, I feel like we've all made mistakes in our lives. Um,
1: what would you say like your biggest beauty mistakes are? Okay. So one that comes to mind and it didn't happen that long ago. So every once in a while, all practitioners of injectables get together and, you toss around techniques so we can all kind of grow. Right. Yeah. So I was at one of these training sessions okay. and someone was like, let me inject your lips. And I was like, okay, oh obviously I I don't need lip filler. And <laughs> yeah. The, you have very full lips. Yes. And the filler that they chose was just like the wrong choice. I looked insane. Oh my God. How yeah. long did it last? I melted it. I was like, I, oh, can't, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I can't. You're like, I need, I need this out of my yeah. face. But like, as I was sitting, I was like, A, thank goodness I can get rid of this myself. Yeah. Yeah. But like, why in that moment was I just like going along with the group (laughs) thing? Like, yeah, let's do this. This is a good idea. No. Unnecessary.
0: Probably gives you empathy for your patients as well, right? Sure. To know what it feels like to have something done
1: to your face that you don't like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking, I was melting it like in my bathroom two days later. later. I can't walk around like this. Okay. Another beauty mistake. Ooh. I had like the worst haircut of my life. When I was in college, I went and I got my hair done at Patricia Field. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, of course. Old school New York salon.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. What a mistake. (laughs) What did they do? So it was like this crazy haircut where there were two layers, like one really, really short, which is like. Misguided, given how curly my yeah, hair is. Yeah, you have is. very curly hair. Yes, okay. and then the other one was just really, really long, like a couple of strands of super, super long oh, hair. Wow. Like and a then, mullet kind of thing. Sort of, but not even that coordinated, right? It was just oh, wow. kind of like choppy, short, yes. and then real like it was horrific. I have no idea what this person was thinking. <laughs> I don't even think there was a conversation beforehand.
0: Right. Well, there's a theme here when you put your trust into other people (laughs) without like a thoughtful conversation Uh, before it's like these things happen. So you probably spend a lot of time talking to your patients before you go in and do anything. Right. Totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I never want someone like leaving my office feeling like, wait, what, what did I just do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is my first time in my life ever having like long nail extensions. I'm not going to say it's a mistake, but. I feel handicapped. Like I can't, I can't type the way that I normally type. I can't text the way I normally text. And I'm like, again, like no one tells you (laughs) things. Like it looks great in pictures, but I'm like, (laughs) like it takes me like twice as long to text everything. I have to have my husband help me put on my necklace. Like, it's just like a whole new thing. And I'm like, you know, I again, I just didn't know.
1: When did you do them?
0: A week and a half ago. Oh my gosh. At a great fab place, Vanity Projects on Christie Street. They do a great job, but I don't think I'll ever get nails this long again. Yeah. So when I did my microneedling treatment, I think I did it on like a Friday where I didn't have meetings in the afternoon. And I think I had something else on my, it was fine. Like I didn't look visibly in a way that would be embarrassing to be at work, but I'm sure you treat, especially being here in New York city, a lot of working women Mm -hmm. that don't have like a week to like recover in silence at home. What procedures do you recommend that have very low, minimal downtime?
1: So typically when I'm microneedle patients, they look like... Pink and blotchy for about two days. So okay. that's usually what I advise. So okay. if you can get a treatment right before the weekend, you're set yeah. for work on Monday. That's yeah. not a problem. Okay. Injectables, low downtime, right? Yeah. I have lots of people come in and they're heading to work right afterwards. They're heading to functions right afterwards. Yeah. With injectables, there's always the chance of a bruise, Mm-mm. but quite honestly, like a little bit of concealer and you're good to go, Yeah. right? Peels are a mixed bag, right? Yes. Chemical yeah. peels. Yeah. I love the peels that like really cause a lot of visible flaking. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I I just find that in my hands, I get better results with those, but there are lots that are really gentle. If you do them in a series, you go low and slow, you'll have very Mm -hmm. little flaking and no one will be the wiser that you had anything done. Okay. Like I said, clear and brilliant lasers. Another one I would say, if you really want to, um, have some privacy around your treatment, perhaps like take the afternoon off and then you're good to go the next day. Oh, really? Yeah. Really?
0: So I feel like there's so many people listening to this that are going to be like, okay, I want to get laser, I want to get filler, that have maybe not considered it before or like known the difference that it can make in your skin. What would you suggest people do before making a decision to jump into getting
1: kind of fillers or more involved cosmetic procedures? Really ask a lot of questions at your mm-hmm. consultation, right? That consultation is your opportunity to delve into your doctor's brain mm-hmm. and get a sense of their aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, get a sense of what they're looking to achieve for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Get a sense of how safe the procedure you're about to do and mm-hmm. like how suitable it is for your actual features. Mm-hmm. Right. So I would say never, ever feel embarrassed about asking questions yeah. and just like going in like the best conversations I have with patients are the people that prepared beforehand and they have everything down. Do you know, like yes. the person that takes it seriously, like I, you know, yeah. it's it's a pleasure to treat them.
0: And I would also say for people listening to write down your questions, because I think sometimes you get in front of a doctor and like you get nervous and you kind of forget all of the things that you were going to ask. Like there's no shame in like writing everything you want to ask down.
1: Right. I remember one woman came in and there's like a little bit of music playing in my office. It's not particularly loud. Yeah. But she was like, do you mind just turning that off? I want to think very clearly right wow. now. And I was like, I respect you. her.
0: Absolutely. Good for her. Yeah. So Brooklyn, face and I, I feel like you're going to have so many people reaching out to you <laughs> after this episode because I would definitely feel comfortable like doing anything with you. You seem so knowledgeable, but also like, I love that you care about balance and just enhancing people's natural character. Thank you. It's really great. So final question. I ask all of my guests this question. When do you feel most beautiful?
1: So I take pride in my skin, you know, Mm -hmm. so when I've got like a clean face and it's just, you know, my reflection in the morning, I really do appreciate um yeah. looking back and seeing like, you know, how I've cared for myself. This may sound like really weird or like odd, but there is something that happens when you're operating and you're in like this state of like flow. Like I've heard like artists describe this when like, you know, it's almost meditative when you're like really have like a clean process going on. And honestly, like you just feel so good and confident. Like you feel like you radiate light in that moment, you yeah. know, like, and that that's a pretty powerful feeling for me. Like, so I feel like that makes me feel beautiful.
0: That's amazing. I feel like you are doing what you were born to do like this. I can tell even when you talk about it how much you love what you do. I'm a geek for it. Like, I mm. love it.
1: Yeah. I'm really happy.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm thank so you. excited to see what's next for EpiLogic and for Brooklyn Face and Eye. And it's just been such a pleasure hearing from you. And thank you for coming on.
1: Thank you. This has been great. It's been such a great conversation. Happy to have it with you.
0: Great. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I will link to where you can get all of these fabulous projects for EpiLogic. Um, Dr. Jennington is not on social media, but Brooklyn Face and Eye is and EpiLogic is. So I will link to those accounts as well um, and the website so you guys can learn a bit more. And I will be back. Next week with another interview.
1: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.